Hey Westside, Brooks Rice here on my family vacation at Deception Pass Park, visiting some friends and family. And wish I could be there with you this morning, but you are in good hands. I wanted to introduce John McCallan. He's speaking this morning. John and Shannon and their family have been just huge, huge parts of Westside for a really, really long time. And John, I just want to tell you, you've been such an instrumental friend in my life. Um, a positive influence, the way that you parent, the way that you lead, the way that you teach, the way that uh, you care for your family is uh, something I really admire. So um, anyways, I'm honored that you get to speak this morning. I'm excited to come back next Sunday when we are back from our trip. Um, otherwise, hey, give John McCallan a big round of applause. Good morning, I am John McCallan. My wife Shannon and our daughters Elizabeth and Celia, we've been coming to Westside for I think eight years. Shannon knows the actual date. She's the holder of all um, memories and dates. Um, I think one of my favorite things about Westside um, is that we take Jesus seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And I, that's why I brought this folder, because it's like, it's from my daughter, and when she started high school, and it's just going to make me smile the whole time I'm up here, so I had to remember that. And some of you may know, um, you'll probably see you see me more behind the drums or back with kids. Um, I'm a second grade teacher as well, so if some of my teaching comes across this morning, just bear with it and accept it. Um, but it's been... Um, it's been an amazing process preparing a message for you this morning. Uh, a little history about who I am and where I've come from. Um, I'm an Oregonian by birth. I grew up in Beaverton, which is a suburb of Portland. And I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home. And um, very early age, was going to church, very involved with church, and um, all the things going on there. Um, from when I was a kid through high school, I was at everything our church did. So be it uh, vacation Bible school, um, junior high and high school, I was with all of our church club activities and going to all the summer camps. And it shaped who I was and, and who I am. And I remember memorizing Bible verses like in Awanas. I don't know if any of you back there in church. Remember, Awanas, approved workmen are not ashamed. Got to throw that in there. Um, and even, uh, even in junior high and high school, being able to be in a Bible study with our youth pastors and really getting, getting into the word at a young age. Um, but I just, there was a point when I was like, you know, this, this feels more like a family thing. I hear people talk about this relationship with God, with a, a, a personal thing with God. I'm like, I, I don't know about that. I, what is that about? And it really happened, it happened for me in ninth grade. And the, the pastor, it was a Sunday evening, the pastor was talking about um, how God loves us so much. And we, we sang about God's love and how amazing it is, how huge it is. And this pastor talked that if I was the only one on earth, that God still would have sent Jesus to die on the cross for me, 
If I was the only one. I'm the only one. And he loves you that much as well. That if you were the only one here on earth, he still would have sent Jesus to die for you. And it was that night when I accepted. It was like, that's it. Jesus, I know you love me. And you want me to know you. And that's when it became personal for me. It was my belief. It was my faith. It was not just a family thing. And it changed. It changed uh, my, the rest of my life. Um, so just a little history about me. And um, thank you. There were also, um, all through it, there was challenges. I mean, it's, the life of a Christian is amazing, but it's also difficult. And sometimes it was very frustrating. And I was confused. And maybe you've been the same way. And we can take our family picture off. <laughs> I know they're gorgeous, aren't they? <laughs> right? Don't take us too seriously. Um, but maybe you've had times of frustration as well. That it's difficult to know what, what God's talking about. Or just life is difficult. And how, how can this be happening? What can I be doing? There were questions like when I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing or where I was supposed to be going. What school should I go to? Who am I supposed to be with? You know, or what am, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And maybe you've had that same frustration asking yourself, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? That it's like trying to put together the IKEA desk without the instructions. <laughs> and you're like, uh, wrench, screw, board, I, you know, you're just like, what am I supposed to do? And then you find out that in the end that you put it all together wrong and you have to start all over again. Well, we are. Sometimes we get frustrated and we get confused about what God expects or about what God wants us to be doing. And this morning, I think you'll be surprised that it might be simpler than you think. And that you'll find that God made it clearer than we think. It's just with one simple verse. And I'll, I'll get to the verse in a moment. Um, and hopefully this verse can clear up some confusion for you and as it has for me. <clears throat> Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you don't feel like um, you're doing the right thing. You're just spinning your wheels. You're expanding your energy. Well, I think that we're going to find some new, um, some new direction, some passion from what we're going to read this morning. Maybe you're not a Christian, and you've always wondered what God expects from you. This morning, I want you to lean in, and because we're, we're going to learn from just one verse what God is hoping from us. This one thing might just be what you need to take that step across the line for you to have that personal relationship with God. And for all of us, what if we stopped spinning our wheels and we actually used all our energy in all the right ways? This is Micah 6, 8. And it says he's, there it is. He's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. 
Be compassionate and loyal in your love and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. You guys pray with me real quick. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that we can gather together under your name. Thank you for this time that you have set apart for us to be here, to hear your words, and how you have, you've made it clear what you want from us. Lord, we, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds for you to, to teach us, for you to move in us this morning. Thank you so much for your word that, uh, that it would go out and produce fruit. In Jesus, in your name, amen. So I want to read this all together. I can have it up there one more time. This is Micah 6.8. Are we all ready? On three, one, two, three. He's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Some simple instructions, a set of directions, a map of what living with God could look like. Um, we'll take the next. Here's, there it is. That's the not serious. And here's the serious. I like to run. Some of you who know me, I like to run lots of miles. And in order to be able to know where to go, we got to have a map. Right? It's always nice to have a map so I can know what direction I need to go on a trail and what turn to make in order to get there or get there correctly. Um, so we love maps, right? Raise your hand if you love maps. Got to have maps. We have our, we got some maps pictures. I'm the, oh, I like to hike too. Okay, this is better. I'm the map, I'm the maps. Maps. We all love maps. <laughs> Not too serious. Right? Thank you, thank you. Um, the next one, so there's my hiking map. Everybody should be, or probably is familiar with this kind of map. Good old Google map. So last weekend, uh, we moved our oldest daughter, Elizabeth, into college. And she's... This college was up on Rocky Butte, and I grew up in Beaverton, but I had no idea where Rocky Butte was. And so I consulted Google. How do I get to Rocky Butte? And I can't just, you know, I don't, I'm in Eugene, the school somewhere in Portland. I can't just go bippity-boppity, and I'm going to get up to Portland. No, right? There's a series of turns that you have to take. You have to be on this certain road. Maps instructions. And you may have used Google Maps before. You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. A set of instructions. We all love having instructions. I'm also fond of mathematics. And mathematics has lots of formulas. And there's rules. Right? I know what to do in this situation. I need to find out the hypotenuse of a triangle. Right? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. It's right in the middle. Formulas. Love formulas. Instructions. Help us know how to get someplace to get something done. And um, also, food. Raise your hands if you love food. 
a cake, right? Last week I got, and we had all these carrots. So of course, I'm gonna make a carrot cake. And it was probably the best carrot cake I've ever made because I followed the recipe. <laughs> right? My whole family can attest to, Dad, how did you make this? I just threw it all together. Okay, don't do that again. So I followed the recipe and the cake was delicious because I followed the recipe. It told me how much to put in of that thing or this thing. Instructions, maps. It helps us know what to do. God has given us these instructions. A set of, of ideas of things that we can do as we follow him. In his great love, he's provided that for us. That he knows that we want to know what direction to go. That we want to know what things should look like as we follow him. And so he's given it to us. He's already made it plain how to live and what to do. What God is looking for in men and women. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously, but take God seriously. I want to read it in a different version. Um, the previous version is the message version. This is the New International Version. Um, he, being God, has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And then our favorite question. And what does God, what does the Lord require of you? Have we all asked that question of God? What do you, what do you require of me? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Simple instructions. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Now we can ask, well, who's Micah? And why is it important that we're listening to what he says? So Micah was a prophet in the time of Isaiah and Amos during the 8th century BC, before Jesus even showed up. And at the time, the nation of Israel was split into two neighboring kingdoms. There was Israel and there was Judah. And they, they helped secure peace for each other by working together. And um, whether they were taking on other countries or defending themselves from enemies, um, they worked together. And so there was this peace that they had um, that was not seen previously. And because of their cooperation, they experienced great economic uh, prosperity, but they had fallen into spiritual immorality, and it was unraveling the social fabric of the respective kingdoms. And so Micah, like Isaiah, discouraged the prevailing idolatries. It's like, we need to worship God alone, not these other alien foreign gods. But they also spoke up against the social injustices of the ruling classes. Can we recognize any similarities? A country experiencing great economic prosperity, which has caused an unraveling of social morals and fallen into spiritual immorality. So God's message through Micah to us is to act differently than the society around us. And I'll share more about why. Our directions, our instructions are to act justly, 
to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. But it's, it's not a checklist for us. It's not a formula for us to be right with God. He's already taken care of that. And God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. He has a hope that it becomes a second nature to us. As we are in relationship with him, and as we let him lead us, that these, these actions, these attitudes, that they come out of that relationship, a second nature. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God begins with a relationship with God. How do I know what true justice looks like without knowing God? How do I know what true mercy looks like without knowing God? Why do I need to be humble if I don't know what God has done for me? It all begins with knowing God. And it says in John 17, 3, And this is real and eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Have you been looking for real life? I know I was looking for what real life was. And I found it in knowing Jesus and having a relationship with God. He offers life to us in relationship with him. And I learned we're all separated from God. We sang about it in our songs this morning. We're separated from God because of our sin. Disobedience, pridefulness, selfishness. We're separated from God. But God in his mercy and love sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sin, for my sin, by dying on the cross. And when we acknowledge that we're separated from God, I'm a sinner, and we believe that Jesus' gift of sacrifice, the gift he gave, dying on the cross, covers our sin, and then we declare that he is the master of our life, that we're going to let God lead us. We're going to let him inform our decisions and what we do. Then God promises that we're saved, and we've been restored to him, and we can have relationship with him, the beginning of how all this can happen. And he promises to work his ways in and through us. In John 15, 4, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce anything. Um, another translation calls it abide, that we are together, that intimate and organic relationship. He's not asking us to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly without already knowing him, without being in a relationship with him. The harvest that he's talking about, this harvest is sure to be abundant, a harvest of just actions, of merciful love, and of humbly walking with God. And he doesn't ask us to do it in our own strength, by our own will. He's provided Holy Spirit to lead us and empower us. And in John 14, 16, and 26, Jesus again is sharing with his followers, I will take the Father, 
sorry, I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He'll remind you of all the things I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. God's provided relationship with him. He's provided Holy Spirit to empower us and to move us in these ways. So maybe this is, this is new to you. You haven't heard this. Or maybe you've heard it before and you're ready for something new. You're ready for that, that personal relationship with Jesus. And so I just want to take a moment to invite you. Maybe this is your first time hearing about Jesus, and he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know him, and he's already paid the price for you to have a relationship with him. Maybe, maybe you're a Jesus follower, and you've, you've grown up in the church, um, but you want to be, you, know, you want more. You're ready for more, and you want to declare Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, my master. I'm going to follow what you ask me to do. I'll take a moment. I'm going to pray. But if that's you, I want you to put your hands out in front of you, palms up. And we're going to imagine, like, I'm giving my sinfulness to God. It's yours, God. And your palms are up, and you're imagining you're receiving that gift of being saved and receiving a relationship from God. You guys pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for letting us know where we stand with you and, and what you ask of us and for telling us what we truly are, that we're broken that we are sinners, that we haven't obeyed you to our core. But, but you don't leave us there. You provided Jesus to save us and to cover that completely. So we declare our sinfulness and we receive your salvation in Jesus. Thank you for making us new by what you have done. And that one day we will rise again with you just as Jesus rose up from the grave. And we also want to declare that you are our Lord, our master, our leader. And that you will teach us the right way to go. And you'll show us the right thing to do. Thank you so much, Lord. And I just want to keep our eyes closed. I want to pray for us for a filling of the Holy Spirit, that he's provided this friend, the spirit of truth who, who teaches us, who makes it plain to us, who reminds us of his ways. So if you would with me, place one of your hands on your head and a hand on your heart. And we're just going to show God that, that we're ready for his spirit to move within us, to empower us, to teach us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving us in Christ. And we know that, that you have given us Holy Spirit as our friend, as our comforter, as the spirit of truth who comes to empower us, that you would fill us afresh today.
that as we choose to follow you in, in acting justly and loving mercy and showing us what walking humbly with you means. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and thank you for being right here with us today. For your glory, Jesus. Amen. So with relationship with him being powered by his Holy Spirit, we are ready or ready to step into acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with him. Acting justly to do what is fair and just for your neighbor. Isaiah um, talks about in one seventeen, chapter 1, verse 17, stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Do right. How do we know what doing right looks like? Because we have that relationship with God. We're seeing how he acts. We're seeing what he does. Um, Matthew twenty two thirty nine talks about love your neighbor as yourself. And I think we all know the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Right? Do right. Act justly. And, and being in a neighborhood, I get to watch all my neighbors take care of their lawns and their homes. And I noticed that our neighbor, who previously had a lawn care company, hadn't seen him around. And their, their lawn was getting taller and more weeds. And, and I was like, hey, I could go see if I can go mow their lawn for them. Maybe their lawnmower's broken. Maybe they don't have a lawnmower. And so after I was done with my lawn, I went over, knocked on the door, thinking, what, what can I do right for my neighbor? Knock on the door. Hey, I noticed that the lawn people haven't been around. Can I mow your lawn for you? And they're like, sure, okay. So I got my stuff, and I took care of their lawn. And they were like, well, thank you. And I was like, you're very welcome. And I walked away. Doing right for your neighbor. Do right. Also brings up thoughts of the Good Samaritan. Um, if you grew up in church, the Good Samaritan who, who came down the road after a few other people that thought they couldn't help this poor man, another traveler who had gotten beaten and robbed and left on the road to die. And the Samaritan comes by and he sees him in his state and takes care of him. He picks him up. He, he bandages his wounds. He cares for him. He takes him to the next town. And he says, will you put him in a motel or hotel, whatever they have, and says, will you watch over him while I go and I'll come back and provided all the funds for that keeper to take care of him. Doing right acting justly, taking care of those around us. I thought of some really basic things that we could do to do right. Say thank you. I said, please. Uh, we can make sure to share. Share with those around you. Like the, the best line I heard is, everything we need to know in life we learned in kindergarten. Yep. Right? Share. 
say thank you. And another one is putting away your toys, right? We can, the, the most practical one I have is taking the clean dishes out of the dishwasher, right? Put away the clean dishes out of the dishwasher. A funnier one is change the toilet paper. All right. Um, and we can, oh, and then we can also pay our taxes. Follow the laws of the land. Try to keep at the speed limit. Don't go through the stop sign. I mean, there's some very practical things that fall into this do right. Act justly. Loving mercy or love mercy. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And I looked up mercy in the dictionary. Mercy, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So God definitely had the right to punish us and harm us for our sin. But he had mercy on us and sent Jesus. He had compassion for us. He sent Jesus to cover our sin. And in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for mercy is hesed, and hopefully I'm I didn't study Hebrew. I looked it up, so hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, but hesed is unfailing love or loyal love, devotion, and kindness. So loving mercy, this compassionate and loyal in our love. So I think there's a component of our love that's loyal and faithful, like to a spouse or to a best friend. That our love, we celebrate together with them. That our love perseveres through disagreements and differing opinions with them. That our love remains no matter what. There's this commitment in loving. And I thought of my friend Brad, who we've been friends for, I don't know, nine years. And we've done Bible studies together. And he... Um, is going to a different church now, but we still connect with each other. I would consider him one of my best friends. And even though he's been some real, through some really rough things, um, he's, he's engaged in a divorce and he struggles with what's going on with his kids, that we've kept a relationship together and we've talked about differing opinions and it hasn't separated us just because of what's going on in our life. That we're committed to the friendship. There's that love between us, this commitment, this loyalness in love to one another. But I also think that, that God's asking us to be consistent and loyal in loving all. That God loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, he asked us to be loving to everyone around us. John 13, 35, Jesus says, Let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, and you love one another, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. That we get to extend God's love to the world around us because of our love. 
So these, I, I saw these two parts, that, there's, that we are constant and consistent in love for someone, but also loyal in loving all. And Jesus often went out of his way to show love to those that were unlovable. And there's a story, that, lots, but I thought of the blind beggar who was, was waiting and, and Jesus came by and made some mud, and put it on his eyes, and he could see. And everybody was amazed. He thought he was unlovable because he was blind. Or the demon-possessed man. When Jesus rode across with his disciples, rode across the lake, and went into this cemetery, and there was this crazy man in the cemetery. He wasn't looking for Jesus. He didn't think anybody would love him. But Jesus went to him and extended his love and mercy and compassion. And good old Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. He says... Come on down. Zacchaeus had to climb. He saw Jesus was coming into town. And he had to climb up a tree in order to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. And Jesus looks up at him through the crowd. He says, I'm going to your house. He went out of his way to show love to the unlovable. To love mercy. And walk humbly with God. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Humble meaning having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. And putting my notes together, I thought I need to, I need to clarify that this is our attitude towards God. Right? As Jesus' followers, God has given us tremendous value, and his love is great. So don't, don't question your standing with God, but we have to recognize that God is greater, that he is, and he is the infinite Lord most high, and that we are his finite creation. My humbling walking with God um, might be best stated with, you may have seen some of these signs, that he is greater than I. I see a lot of bumper stickers on cars. And, and this one, God is God and I am not. And would you leave this up? I'm going to read a couple of passages. God is God and I am not. This is Psalm 93. God is king. Robed in ruling, God is robed and surging with strength. And yes, the world is firm and immovable. Your throne, ever firm, your eternal. Sea storms are up, God. Sea storms wild and roaring. Sea storms with thunderous breakers. Stronger than wild sea storms. Mightier than sea storm breakers. Mighty God rules from high heaven. What you say goes, it always has. Beauty and holy, mark your palace rule, God, to the very end. God is God, and I am not. 
Isaiah 64, 4 and 8. Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen, a God like you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who happily do what is right, who keep a good memory of the way you work. Still, God, you are our father. We're the clay. You're our potter. All of us are what you have made us. Humbly walking with God, that he is the Lord, that he can be trusted, that he knows, just as Bethany already talked about this morning, and it's so right, it's so good. Um, King David, he was a humble man to the point that God even gave him the name a man after his own heart. And King David was not perfect. But yet he's still called a man after God's own heart. I mean, he did, he killed people, right? He, he took somebody else's wife. These are not great characteristics of men of God. But in each situation, he humbled himself to God and asked for forgiveness and received forgiveness and then continued to walk with God humbly walking before God. Even though he was king, he knew that God was the great king of kings and lord of lords. And because of that, he was called a man after God's own heart. And we have a choice to make. Just as in the creation story, God told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree of good and evil. Where they were Given the, what can I say, given the choice to be obedient to God, who knew what was best for them, or to choose on their own and say, oh, I know, I know what's right and what's good. We have the same choice to make. Do we obey God or do we decide on our own? And I'm suggesting that obeying God is going to be a better way for us. Humbling myself to his leadership and sovereignty, trusting in what he said, walking humbly with God. A map for us, and some instructions of what does it look like to follow God? Am I going the right way? Am I doing the right thing? Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Again, it's not a checklist. There's no way we can earn our salvation from God. It's provided for us already through Jesus. Uh, Roman, this is Romans 5.1. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God. Because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he's already thrown open his doors to us. 
we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. God's provided it all for us. And now we can move in relationship with him, empowered by him. So you might also be asking, well, how do I build this relationship with God? What do I do? Very practically is we spend time with him. Just like you do with a best friend or with your spouse. You got to set up a date to see each other. Right? When are we going? Are we going out Friday night? When are we going to go to a ball game on Thursday? We're going to go to that concert next weekend. You got to set up a time to get together with your God. Spend time with him. And he's given us a whole book. Isn't that great? It's like you don't have to, you don't have to figure it out on your own. I got it right here. Your Bible. His words living and active for us to teach us who he is, and who we are. Spending time in your word. I encourage you daily, open it up, take a few verses, take whole chapters, whatever you want to handle. It doesn't matter how much or how little, you're still getting to know him. You're spending time with him. Reading his word, thinking about it, pondering what he said. I like to uh, meet once a week for journaling with some other guys. We open up the Bible, we think about it, write some notes, write down a scripture. What does it mean? Is there a promise for me from God? Is, what's, what's it telling me about who God is? I write those down. I take that with me through the day. I'd, I invite him to whatever's going on. For me, it's how do I deal with this student? I need your wisdom. What do I do with my coworker? How do I deal with this family? How am I supposed to get across town when there's all this traffic? You know, maybe there'll be this peace that comes on you and you're just going to cruise across town. No big deal. Nope. Invite him into each moment. That's how you build a relationship with him. But it takes, on our part, it takes spending that time getting to know him, and there is a great harvest because of it. Act justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with our God. You know, take a, take a friend and say, hey, would you do this with me once a week? Open up your Bibles together, pray together, talk to God. It's in our relationship with him that these ways come into our life, and it shows off who he is through us.